Hi, I'm your host today, Kim Campbell. You're listening to Circus Voices, brought to you by Circus Talk, the international circus sector's inclusive and independent online platform. Take advantage of Circus Talk's 60% off COVID-19 discount now on yearly pro membership. Sign up on Circus Talk today. Welcome to Circus Voices. My name is Kim Campbell. I'm the editor of Circus Talk, the host of Circus Voices. And this is a series called Circus in Process with Cass's Circus, where we explore the process of making a contemporary circus show with one company from start to finish. This week, we speak to Kate Malone and Deb Wilkes of Cluster Arts. They're a big part of the behind-the-scenes production team about the new show, Amatanya. Looking forward to hearing about ups and downs of the show, planning, producing, and things unfolding as they get closer to the premiere. I'm pretty excited about this. Um, Kate, would you like to introduce us to Cluster Arts and tell us a little bit about what you do for circus companies in general and how many companies you represent? Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you for having us, Kim. Uh, So as you mentioned, Deb and I uh, run a company called Cluster Arts and we're based in Brisbane, Australia. So we started Cluster Arts about five years ago on the premise of supporting artists administratively to get their shows uh, up and touring. So at the moment, we currently work with around uh, nine companies on different levels. So some companies we work uh, from the uh, idea stages of a show through to uh, getting them touring internationally. Uh, We do general management for some companies and one of those companies is Casa Circus. And then we also work with established shows uh, to develop their touring strategies and uh, get them into new markets as well. So uh, we've been, uh, I guess we, we evolved what we initially thought Cluster Arts was going to be. We started really thinking that uh, artists and companies here needed support more so administratively in their budgeting and marketing and uh, those skills, but it actually evolved into doing a lot more for them and that's kind of how the producing and touring uh, came on board as well. Wow. Would you say that you do everything other than the actual show making and performing? That's almost what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. So we, I guess we are a very clear in our processes and what we do in saying that the, we leave the art to the artists and our t- tagline is backstage uh, taking care of business. <laughs> That's great. Um, Deb, how long has uh, Cluster Arts been supporting Cassis and what interests you the most about helping a company like Cassis thrive? Well, Cassis was our um, foundation client. So they're very, very special to us um, in that we set Cluster up, uh, Cluster Arts up in 2015 um, and very quickly uh, Cassis came on board and requested us to assist them with a lot of their general management. Mm. Um, it's... It's been a, a, a great relationship over the years. We've um, we've watched, we've been through really, really tough times with the company. We've been through really exciting times with the company. We share in the success. We share in the, the things that don't go so well as at the same time. Um, overall, they have, I guess, given us, uh, they trust us a lot. So for CASAS, uh, for example, we do their payroll, we do their scheduling, we do their 
future bookings. We manage mm. their international currency exchange rates, their bank accounts, um, pretty much their, their emotional um, needs sometimes when things don't go right and they, you know, artists doubt themselves. We have very, you know, we're able to listen and um, and hopefully provide some good sound advice. So I guess they're very special. When they made Knee Deep back in 2011, um, I was a CEO at Flipside Circus in Brisbane here and Kate was also working part-time for Flipside then and they made the show there. They made the show at Flipside, Knee oh. So we were even there at the beginning without knowing that that was going to happen in the future, that we'd, we'd be working on a much d- deeper level with them. Wow, so they were kind of like your foundational company that began with you. Abs- absolutely, yes, they were, yeah, yeah. 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 So, Kate, okay, you know, I've been talking to Natano and – you know, finding out about the show and I spoke to all the performers and it's very exciting to watch it unfold. I wonder what interests you about this show, you know, you personally and as a company and what do you think the reception will be in Australia and abroad? Amatanga is a really exciting work. You know, we say it's it's the first in the of its kind and in Australia we don't see circus work of this scale and this level representing artists of colour on our stages. So while it's going to be an incredible show when it's finished, it's also a really important show uh, for Mm. Australia but also internationally as well. You know, we talk about Australia being a leading uh, circus country and we want to represent that it's... um, that it is so diverse in that sense as well. So that's something that we uh, don't see and we're, and that's why it's really important for us to take it slow and, you know, not just uh, develop a show and uh, get it out there. It's mm-hmm. going to take a two-year process, which for Cassis is a long time to make a show, uh, but it's the right the right thing to do to give the show what it deserves yeah that makes sense I think especially you know when I consider that you also work really closely with the briefs boys and you know their show amazing as it is has like a shell and then underneath that shell there's just a bunch of acts that you can put together you can swap in and swap out an act it's different Mm. this kind of show you know there's like a dramaturgy to what's happening I think right Yeah, exactly. And so much of it has been a process. And, you know, on a whole nother level, making a show in COVID just adds another element to it. You know, it was always going to have a longer process, but COVID has definitely made it uh, more so. But that has actually turned out to be a good thing. So they've really used this time, as you would have um, heard from Natano about the research and development that they have done each individual artist has really studied and um, spoken to their elders about their cultural history and so we've been given this time during COVID to really go slow on that and develop that Mm -hmm. and really understand that before uh, they can't. They can't come together on the floor at the moment. But this work that they're doing now is equally as important as to what they'll do acrobatically when they do come together. 
Yeah, for sure. And then also considering that um, the landscape for uh, circus in general might be changing and that international travel might not be as common, you know, you'll have a show that probably will be very meaningful to, um, you know, uh, the indigenous peoples as well as Australians who are, you know, looking to like understand that culture better. Mm, exactly. And, uh, you know, as I said before, we don't see this kind of work on Australian stages. So we've got a bit of development to do in that sense, but we're doing all the groundwork now in terms of uh, prepping the venues and festivals and really talking the, to them to say, this is why you need to program this kind of work. And we all have an obligation to support this kind of work to get to stages and venues all around Australia. Yes, that's so important. And I think it also will be of interest to international um, audiences as well. I really do, because I know, you know, there's multiple cultures represented and um, just the the concept of um, rites of passage and is is kind of important to everyone, I think. Um, Deb, so... I have a question for you, a kind of a broader question about Australian circus. You know, we did an article a couple of years ago is called Is um, Australia the New Circus Superpower, uh, written by Rebecca Galloway. And it was one of our most like top popular articles. I swear it was like the number three still that got the most hits ever. People are really oh. interested in Australian circus. What to you is so unique about Australian circus and how does Cassis embody that or, or not? That's a really great question, Kim, and one that we ask ourselves. And that article, to be honest, gets attached to every funding application that we put in. (laughs) So thank you. Good to know. Um, Yeah, well, it's a great, it was a, it came as a surprise, actually, when we saw it. And, and then I guess, in some ways, we almost didn't realise where Australia sat in the world. But Mm. it really made us sit up and and take notice and think about it. the thing around Australian circus is, is I guess, the, the style of circus that Australians tend to make. Um, we're often multi-skilled, and I think this comes out of distance so that um, when we travel internationally, you can't take a car. It's, well, it's difficult to take a cast of 10 or 20 with you. So mm. Australian circus performers tend to be multi-skilled. Uh, they have more than one area of, of circus that they're excellent in. Um, they also have an approach that the ensemble is incredibly important and working in a small ensemble or a team of people that they trust. And then I think that, that, that in itself um, lends itself to that, that when audiences are watching them about, wow, those guys are really great friends and that trust between those guys is amazing. So that then I think part of the – that's very quite, or quite Australian. Um, mm-hmm as well as some of the skills that we have, such as bottle walking and toss the yeah. girl, uh, that you, you once upon a time, you know, we saw them develop, uh, say, in the 80s and 90s here in Australia and now uh, they're seen around the world, those kind of acts. So with Cassis, I, I guess I go back to the ensemble, um, the group, the, the team, um, Jesse, Lockie, Natano, and uh, the rest of the wider CASAS team are good friends. Um, mm-hmm. They speak often. They meet online at the moment. They've been training together on a Monday morning um, on Zoom. 
so th- that kind of friendship, I think, uh, Cassis embodies. Um, a generosity of spirit, I find working with them. They're very generous um, and very open in um, in what they do. So I think that that kind of sums up Australian circus to some degrees. We're open, we're friendly, we're we're accessible. Yeah. So, uh, Kate, do, you want, do you want to have it? Oh, that's true. Do you want to have anything uh, to add to that, Kate? Um, yeah, and I think everything that Deb said is true and the humanity of Australian circus, you know, a lot of it isn't um, the – the frills and the the colour and the costumes and the set, it's stripped back, it's bare, it's about the acrobatics. You see the sweat on their mm-hmm. bodies, you see the struggle. They're not trying to hide it and be perfect. Um, it's that humanity in that. And with Cassis, you know, we kind of brand it that kind of hard in the mouth circus where you just watch it with this awe and people come out of that we've seen people come out of knee deep just crying Mm -hmm. in a good in a good way (laughs) (laughs) but just that there's so many emotions you know without any language uh with just using the combination of their skill and the uh the music and what they do and with Cassis also knee deep we've just been talking about this recently knee deep was made in uh 2011 mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just this past month it's been touring with a new cast in Townsville here in Queensland so it is still relevant to this yeah. day it's not outdated and it has a long future ahead of it as well so it is always it's not a um a kind of fad it these kind of shows are classic and they evolve and all of that but they're still they're still relevant today and, and I sat on the hill in Townsville watching Knee Deep from afar and I've seen it many 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 times <laughs> and sure. still found it emotionally um, I, I still found I got emotional watching it which surprised me and I and I actually had that conversation with myself Kim what is it about this show? What is it about this company that that still touches me emotionally after all these years? So, yeah. you know, it was just beautiful. Yeah, that's really amazing. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, so little change of topic here. Uh, you've already mentioned it a bit, Kate, but maybe you could be a little more specific. Um, can you walk us through the types of support that you give to an unfolding show like Amatanya? Um, do you coordinate the venues, obviously, you know, do you help with the trailer and all the budgeting and everything? Is it, is it um, a pretty intense experience of planning all that? Or <laughs> it is. It? It's, it's really nice being there from the start. Mm. Uh, it makes, if, to be honest, it does make it a lot easier for us kind of being there from the start and knowing uh, the process of it and especially knowing what Natano, the artists and the company want out of it and working mm-hmm. collaboratively with them. So I guess at the start with Amatanga uh, to go through everything that we've done, it's, you know, been from uh, Natano, Jesse and Lockie coming up with the concept of Amatanga and then bringing the artists together um, it's writing a lot of funding applications to get the first 
developments to actually happen, uh, working out uh, the rehearsal locations and schedules. And so what we did with Amatanga, it started as a two-day intensive development at La Boite Theatre and we had the support from them. So they came together uh, for two days and we realised this was actually going to be something really special. And then from there, it was uh, writing more funding applications, starting to plant the seed with different festivals and venues and other partners. Uh, From there, we got the support from Brisbane Festival to uh, pitch for the major festival initiative. Uh, Well, first, we got a seed funding for that, which led us into our second development, which was a week-long development. And there, um, you know, while we weren't on the floor, we did uh, the contracts and the schedule and I guess the planning around uh, what we wanted to achieve out of that. And then we had a showing at the end of the week. So we made sure uh, all the right people were there who needed to see the show in this um, evolution of that. Uh, And then it's also we've started developing a touring strategy for the show as well. So uh, as I said, we, uh, Natano and I recently pitched for the major festival initiative uh, fund to all the festivals in Australia and some abroad, as well as uh, APAX, which is our national uh, touring uh, circuit. So we pitched the work there and uh, we're very kind of just open in saying that this is a long process and we're set to premiere the work uh, in late 2021. Uh, mm. And then uh, so with all that touring, it's been uh, talking to those venues but also going this is the idea of the show but it, it's important that the show goes out to those regions. So how do we, if you don't have the a theatre, how can we go, you know, do the show out in a basketball court or how can we connect with the Mm. communities so it's not just about uh, going into the major cities, it's also about targeting um, the regional communities as well and it might not be providing them with a show but it could be workshops and engagement uh, with the artists as well. Um, and then uh, we've written some more fun. So we've kind of written about three stages of funding applications for it. And right now, I guess we're in the process of just uh, working out. We're kind of on hold until we know uh, when the artists can come together. And then the next stages will be bringing everyone together to work uh, physically. And then, uh, and then we move towards more of a pre-production and mm. premiere schedule. You must be looking forward to that phase. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'll be really nice to see the art. I mean, it's incredible what they did over Zoom. So we had three of the artists here in Queensland working together physically and three down in Melbourne. And you would think it would be quite disconnected but it actually for what it was it was incredible and Mm. the people the festivals that are interested now really saw where the show was going and what uh what it could be you know even though we had artists uh training in their backyard and their shed and (laughs) without any equipment they still understood the meaning of it and what what where we were going with that so that was really important 
Yeah, I got that sense too. I, I visited the showing remotely because you all invited me to that. And that was really nice to see how they, how the things will all fit together, you know, to get that sense. Um, and it sounds like the funding uh, is just a nightmare, but it t- sounds like it's coming from multiple sources and everything. And then once you premiere it, then, then you're, you know, through ticket sales, well, how you'll be able to continue uh, the touring yeah. process. Is that about right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's been thinking a bit differently for Amatanga. So the way Cassis normally makes a show is uh, spend, you know, four to six weeks creating it on a shoestring budget and then previewing it at a fringe festival here in Australia, then generally taking it over to Edinburgh, uh, mm. doing a season in, Ed- in Edinburgh and then getting it sold uh, from there, but Amatanga, we we were really clear from the start that it wasn't go, going to be a fringe show because sometimes you have to compromise the venue and you know how much money you've got to spend on all the technical stuff. And right. Amatanga, we wanted to give Amatanga the the time and the money it deserves. So that meant waiting until we actually got the funding and support for that. So that has, that has been a bit of a shift in our thinking in the way that we normally work to kind of on-sell a show. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think that is going to work in its in its favour. In that it's, a, it's a slow burn. It's definitely a slow yeah. burn kind of show. But that's okay. Well, you, have, you have the luxury of doing that because you have show, other shows up and running and, you know, it's not... Um... It's not like you're launching from the get-go here. So you've had you've been through the, the process multiple times. Um, Deb, so I would like to ask you, how has um, COVID-19, like what kind of zingers has it thrown to the whole process for you, um, you know, in the planning and also in the development of the show from the performers and the director's point of view? I guess it, it, really everything we do has had to be questioned about the COVID reality um, and meeting COVID restrictions. So mm-hmm. the, the very first thing is that everyone is in different locations and as probably has happened in the USA where you are, um, everyone went home to their home place, you know, their state, their, their city, mm-hmm. and then it was around, okay, how do we, how do we set this up and um, bring people together? It was really important for us that um, – to ensure our, the artists that we work with were felt that they were still cared for by us. So um, we offered uh, money uh, initially as soon as we heard that COVID was like and realised that this was serious, um, mm-hmm. uh, we offered money to artists in case they needed it because they're, at that stage there was no government um, assistance, but since then government assistance has been quite forthcoming. Um, but keeping them together, keeping them in touch with each other, has been, um, you know, really, really important. Um, so I guess that's probably the most, the, the biggest thing. Um, the rest of it with work, because as you know, circus artists work together on the floor all the time and they touch each other. As soon as we, we follow the Oz Dance um, and Physical Theatre COVID plan, so as soon as artists were allowed to touch uh, again, um, mm-hmm. they could come together in some form in um, in in training spaces um, and venues, but the travel restrictions around Australia, we still have them in place and you cannot travel freely around Australia at the moment without having to quarantine in some states. So mm. that's still a bit bit fraught with difficulty. Yeah. Okay, so at this point, if the other three wanted to come up to Brisbane, they could and they would just have to sit 
low for two weeks and till they could. Yeah, exactly. Uh, except they have to pay for their own quarantine of two weeks, which is around two and a half thousand dollars. Um, and depends which state they're in. So if they're in um, South Australia, they don't need to quarantine. But if they're mm. coming from Victoria, they do, and New South Wales, they do. Can't cross the border. Oh, so, yes, yeah. they can. And actually, uh, Kim, we've found um, num- uh, st- starting to be a little bit of a flood of southern um, or Victorian and New South Wales artists coming to Queensland because mm-hmm. they can work here. So they're either paying paying for their own quarantine, um, doing that for two weeks, and then they're getting snapped up for work in Queensland because we are able to travel around our state freely and um, there's been a fair bit of government assistance for mm. uh, regional, you know, and interstate touring. So wow. that's been really good. Mm. Yeah, yeah, for your section, <laughs> but not so good for other yeah. places. That's crazy. No, no, yeah. no. It's, it's, um, it's, actually really difficult to imagine um, the situation for our Victorian colleagues um, yeah. because we're we're not in that situation um, but we've, we've sent care packs to them and const- you know try and stay in touch with them as much as we can um, yeah. yeah but uh, in the end they're, they're still you know restricted so much yeah they're in lockdown yeah well um, you know your country's doing an admirable effort to keep uh, the spread from from getting out of control, and it, it's very inconvenient. But it seems like it's helping, so that's good. Um, yeah. So, um, Kate, what's what's the most gratifying um, part of doing the work that you do with Cassis um, or with this project in particular? Um, I think seeing. I mean, we do what we do because we love it. (laughs) Uh, But the most gratifying thing is seeing, you know, in the end, seeing the end product and seeing being part of a show like Amatanga is going to be really special to know that um, we played a part in um, getting it up and, and all these artists have incredible stories to share and we hope that, uh, well, we know when audiences come to see it, we hope it gives them inspiration and like-minded artists of colour a bit more. I, I mean, in Australia we don't have many Indigenous circus artists at all. So mm-hmm. Cassis has Australia's um, only Indigenous circus show, Chasing Smoke. And the feedback from that has been when um, there have been young First Nation people of any age see the show, they've been so inspired by it and have never seen anything like that. So I envision that for Amatanga and to get it out not just to the cities but to the regional communities and internationally as well will be a really um, exciting thing and and a, a privilege to be a part of oh that's nice can I just add to that too that one of the things I think that um I've noticed is the ability for Cassis now to as Kate said before going into a completely different model of bringing this show up with with structured and very strategic funding applications needing to take place and the company is now in a position to be to understand that and be able to apply for it 
five years ago they wouldn't have been able to do that and I think that's the growth and development that um, Cluster Arts has has given not just us but together you know growing them into that position where they're ready to step up into the major league now um, whereas they wouldn't have done that uh, five years ago and I think that I've watched that especially with Natano um, and his his development as a as an artist and as a business manager an arts manager yeah Yeah. that's cool and and so what and Deb throwing this one at you what's what's the most challenging aspect of working with um Cassis in this in this project at the moment um one one thing that just instantly comes to mind is they've got so many shows that they want to make (laughs) (laughs) and they're all awesome but hey guys you know we can't do them all and so that's probably and that's again about going okay great ideas um love that let's just sit down and work out where does that fit how does that happen who's going to be in charge of it yeah. rather than just having all these great ideas and nothing ever happens. That's, um, I guess that's probably because you want to actually see their ideas come to fruition. And, you know, you, you I've worked with people in business before who want to keep a, a lid on things, if you know what I mean. So, mm-hmm. um, oh, no, we can't do that because we don't have the money. But our job as Cassis's producers is to find the means for that to happen in a way mm. that means it can happen successfully. So it's never about going, oh, no, you can't do that or we wouldn't recommend that. It's like, okay, how does this happen? Who's, yes, I said before, who's in charge? What do we need? Um, Mm -hmm. And how long is it going to take? And that kind of assists the company uh, to to achieve the goals that they want to achieve. And, I mean, right now we're thinking about the current reality and what that is going to look like. Um, mm-hmm. next year and in three years' time because recognising that, I mean, in Australia we can't, we can barely get into the other states in Australia. We don't know when we're actually going to be able to tour overseas uh, and it mm-hmm. might not be until a vaccine comes out. So we don't know if we're going to be able to do, um, you know, Edinburgh Fringe next year or even do any of the touring that we've got in place for 2021. So it's thinking right. um, where do and what what are the kind of shows people will want to want to see in the next few years and realistically how much money venues and festivals, um, festivals can uh, afford to pay as well um, in the next few years if, they, if they've had such a massive hit in 2020. Um, so it's thinking a bit uh, practically about that yeah. as well. It sounds a little bit like you're also, um, I was thinking of a lot of the festival planners that I've spoken to, they have to have so many contingency plans. Yeah. It sounds like you're having to do that too. We've right? For all of the companies we work with, we've kind of got a plan A and a plan or mm-hmm. a plan national and a plan mm-hmm. international. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, when mm-hmm. COVID first happened, um, and this is where I think uh, we can, Deb and I can pat ourselves on the back. <laughs> we took, you know, we did, we took a beat about, you know, oh no, all of our touring has just stopped. But then. Yeah. And that was really hard. Like, I, I guess, you know, to, to realise that because we're so used to controlling things. There must be yeah. something we can do. No, must... no, 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 no. We can still do it. We can do <laughs> yes. this. We can do that. <laughs> so we're, no, no, no. Okay, it can't. And it did take us a beat, but only a small one. And then we went, right. 
well, if we can't do touring, then we're going to do this, 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 and this. And so um, we set up with different companies, different uh, things that that we're doing, but um, really focusing we've we've had to focus on national which for us has been really hard because we don't to be honest we really 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 struggle touring nationally let alone in our own state and that's mm-hmm. something we've worked really hard on over these, these past few months and something mm-hmm. that we've toured now more in Queensland in the last three months and, and in the next month than we have ever had <coughs> before ever right. so it's been really uh, good in a way for us to pivot and think about <laughs> a, a market that we haven't gone before and going, okay, well, we, this is what we need to focus on for 2021, but have the option we're still talking to internationals um, who do want us, but we don't even, we don't know if we're going to be, we'll be able to go overseas. It's just right. whether we're, we'll be able to come back. So it's been, um, it's, yeah, different plans and different scenarios depending on what happens, but hopefully being on the uh, the front foot with that rather than um, having things change at the last minute and not having a plan B. Yeah. It sounds like um, this is something I hear repeated over and over again by different countries. It's just uh, a strange phenomenon that we've developed our international network so um, <laughs> intricately, but our own home country, we haven't necessarily worked on the, you know, making sure that circus is a, pre- a presence there and understood mm-hmm. there. So it's interesting how this will uh, change the the sector, I think, you know? Yeah, well, our next meeting today, uh, Kim, is with um, the Regional Arts Services Network here in Queensland. So Mm. we went and met with our state government who run it and talked to them about, you know, this very thing about the fact that the international circus um, companies don't really have relationships within our own state. And so they've invited us to present this morning uh, for 15 minutes to all the regional um, services people. So that's a huge opportunity for us and, and one we're really grateful for that can allow us to talk about the work that we produce and present um, and also that, you know, it's, yeah, talk the language of the regions, I suppose, about understanding they don't necessarily have all the all the infrastructure that the cities have or that the internationals have. Um, right. but absolutely keen to be there you know and it's a great opportunity yeah especially though in australia there's so many wide open spaces there's not a lot of stages and things out in the country that is a special challenge i'm sure yeah yeah Yeah. well it's been really wonderful talking to you and both and i really appreciate you taking the time to explain what's going on in australia and with cassis and with amatanya And I just would like to say to our listeners that we would appreciate your support to carry on our essential work. If you can, upgrade to Pro for as little as $4.99 a month with COVID-19 yearly discount on annual membership now. And remember, when you do, you'll have automatic access to amazing podcasts like this. Thank you for listening. And thank you again, Deb and Kate. You're amazing. Can't wait to see this show. Thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, or in fact any episode of Circus Voices Podcast, we would really appreciate your review on Apple Podcasts. If you go to Apple Podcasts and review us, we will be so grateful because we really want to reach the whole circus community 
and let them know that we're here to be a voice for the circus world. We appreciate you, and we would love to give you a shout-out in future episodes. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. It was part of Circus Voices, brought to you by Circus Talk. Original podcast music is by Book Kennison. Please stay tuned for future series on this podcast, and subscribe to Circus Voices wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.